When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And a very good morning all. Breakfast with Patton Hills brought to you by MFP Easy, voted Queensland's best fiberglass pool builder and Hyundai. The Hyundai SUV sale event is on now. Hills, um, before we get stuck into uh, a big uh, time in sport. Morning, Paddy. Got to say g'day to uh, all our southeast neighbours. They've copped a tough boy. I had no oh, idea. Yeah. We, we we sort of escaped relatively scot-free around the CBD where you and I live, but... Uh, Oh, boy, the Caboolchers and the... the Ipswich. Darling Downs. Yeah. Just Sanford. awful. Just awful. Yeah. yeah. Watching the news last night, I only got a sort of a grasp of the, the scope and the, uh, the the depth of the mess that was, you know, unfolding around us. So mm. we're thinking of you all this morning. If uh, you've got a chance to get the radio on or you're trying to get the kids to a school or something like that, yeah, it's been another... Another disastrous kick in the in the guts for so many people around here and we're thinking of you. Will the schools be open? We'll, we'll see Vanessa. Yeah, the, Vanessa the will join us as the morning school was on. closed yesterday. Mm. So, yeah, 300 mils in two hours. Yeah. Fair damn, Paul. Now, you're, you're sort of wondering this morning why uh, your old mate Imran Khan didn't sort of go into a cosy life as cricket commentator, travelling the world, flying first class, staying five-star. Instead, he's in a Pakistan yeah. prison somewhere and uh, could be there for the next decade. Yeah, he was married to, um, you know, real real connection to European wealth. Yep. Um, and, and yeah, took it on for the good of his country. And uh, he's not for the first time in jail again mm. for a long time, but it'll be about four weeks. <laughs> you know, he's been on hunger strikes. He's He's been shot at. Yes. He's been jailed. And always for a different reason, and it never seems to last as long as they say it was going to. And it's in the lead up to an election. They say he's going to stimulate the election, the electors. You know, the people, the people voting. It'll help uh, get him re-elected. Well, they're trying to freeze his party out. I think the, his party is PTI. They're called. It's, it's been frozen out of the election by the military power breakers. And I don't want to get into this too much, but um, it just. It's it's a big breaking story from overnight that he's he's been sentenced to ten years. His his lawyers are saying this is a murder of justice. It's a it's a travesty. Travesty. He was convicted of graft last year. He's since all same he's sort been, of thing. Yeah, sort of the sound of it. Yeah, you know, leaking state secrets or something. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what that is, but you know he, he's been friendly with the military. The military seemed to run everything, even cricket. Yeah, and the head of the military can come in and say, no, you can't pick him. You, you've got to, he's not selected. Yeah. So Imran's been connected to the military, then now against the military by the sound of it, um, whether the military changes hands or whatever, right. who knows, but they're saying it's US-backed. Oh, yeah. God. Anyway. It's the, big stuff, that. Yeah, it's, it's it's big breaking news. Albo's got nothing compared to that. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's relatively tame Australian oh. politics, isn't it? Yeah. So the uh, the World Cup winning legend, the Pakistani legend, XPM, is in jail right uh, at the moment as we speak. Hey, plenty of cricket news going on. We're going to have Crash, great friend of the show, back for the first time this year, Robert Craddock. Uh, he'll be previewing what's going to happen unfolding tonight in Melbourne with the Ooh, AB medal and the yes. Belinda Clark medals. Uh, always the big social event of the cricketing season. Uh, everyone gets done up in their finery. Are you going down or are you not going down? Observing no. from afar. No, I, I stayed true to our show, Paddy. Good on you. Said I'll just I'll just stay here. Okay, there's no doubt about it. Very busy man. Well, we know AB's gone morning down. radio. Yeah, AB. How good's that? Now, I don't I don't think he's missed one. Yep. Uh, in let's say thirty years. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be close to thirty years. Yeah. Um. And uh, so he'll be there. Belinda Clark will be there. Um, and uh, all the players, I suppose. It's hard to find a window where both male and female players are available to be in Melbourne. Yeah. Well, the, the female players were involved in this series with South Africa. They got out of jail last night. South Africa set them uh, seven for 162 they made, which is their biggest ever T20 score against the Aussies. But uh, And we and we did loss, uh, lose the skipper, Alyssa Healy and Elise Perry early. But uh, in comes uh, in comes Beth Mooney again. She's a marvel. Not feeling well. She said it wasn't my greatest day as a human being. I think the quote was. 
But uh, she got it done for us. Uh, not, not my best day um, as a human being. I'll, I'll put that out there. But um, you know, managed to get the job done for the team when it mattered. You know, they've played some very good cricket. Cappy was outstanding tonight. You know, as a fan of the game, I love watching her bat. Just not against the Scorchers or Australia. But um, I think, yeah, to get ahead heading into those ODIs, we know how crucial these points are. So it was a, a very good win from the gals. Yeah, so Marazan Cap, she's talking about their 75 or 48, 80 run stand with Bosch, who scored 21 or 24. So, look, they, they set a, a formidable target. And uh, thanks to Beth Mooney with uh, her second half century of the series, they mm. chased it down. Yeah, 82 or 55. So it's a great effort under that um, health pressure. Uh, a scrappy Australian bowling performance, actually, towards the end of their, their those innings. And Marazan Cap had them uh, all about. So now for those one day, as that Beth talks about, Saturday is in Adelaide, Wednesday in North Sydney, Saturday in North Sydney, um, which will be a great series to play in Adelaide and two in North Sydney. That's fun. Yep. And then one test on 15th February at the Wacker. Mm-hmm. So oh. they're, what are they? 4-2 up, four points to two up, having uh, won 2-1 in the... T20s. Yep. Well, as I said, we'll have Crash along to talk all things cricket. There's plenty to uh, discuss there, but not least Imran. I'm certain he'll have uh, stories of the subcontinent. He's been a frequent mm. uh, traveller over there over the years. Uh, plenty of other dramas going around. We'd love to hear from you, whatever you're thinking. The Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line, 13 13 55, is open. Or you can text us, and that text line is 0467 736 736. So uh, rugby, we were we were planning on getting Les Kiss, the the Reds coach, mm-hmm. uh, before they play the Force in their first trial game at Ballymore on Saturday afternoon. We're going to just put that off until a little later in the week. I know Les is keen to come on the show. We're keen to have him here. I'm keen to have him. He's a Bundy boy. Well, you can come twice. Yeah, we can come on the show twice. He can be a regular co- contributor, but I know he's working hard to get the Reds ready to go. But Bundaberg uh, team of the century. Was he? Yeah. Of course, well, of course he was probably captain of it. Yeah. I was up there the other day. It would have been young, wouldn't he? It would have only been young. Yeah. There'd be stalwarts still playing in Bundy. Mm. Yeah, no, he was a big hit when he went up there the other day. He and Tony Ray. Yeah. Uh, you know, skipper of North Sydney and was a long time with London Broncos. And yes. Yeah, he's still based in London, Tony Ray. There, there are legends up in Bundy. So, um, yeah, I had to interview both of them. But, look, um, we'll have a chat to Les later on the week, only because there's big news around the Melbourne Rebels. They've been placed into administration. Uh you know, Phil War is saying, hey, yes, um, they'll, they'll keep on going uh, for this year. Mm. But uh, this is what he had to say. This is what the the ARU boss, Phil War, had to say about the Rebels. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we're committed to delivering the 24 uh, Super Rugby season and, uh, and it's only a few weeks away. So, uh, yeah, we're working with uh, the Melbourne Rebels uh, and also uh, with the administrator, PwC. So, uh, yeah, working closely with them to, uh, to solve for, for some of the challenges. Still very early days, but... Yeah, certainly the team have been training for some time, so uh, looking forward to uh, getting them on the field. Yeah, so renowned rugby journo Tom Decent will join us to discuss that. Uh, what about poor Phil War? I mean, what a six months he's had. He's had to live through the whole Eddie Jones debacle, uh, and he's only been in the game less than a year. So uh, he, he stood back and had a bit of a look at his first six months as CEO. <laughs> oh, look, it certainly hasn't been without its challenges, but... Uh, Oh, look, I think, uh, you know, certainly, uh, um, you know, looking forward to the arrival of Joe Schmidt and, um, you know, got new, new director of high performance, Peter Horn, uh, you know, David Nisafora, who uh, implemented the Irish system that uh, that's done so well over the last period of time. So, uh, you know, hopefully we're putting the right uh, people in the right mm. positions and, uh, and we can turn things around. But uh... Yeah, they're certainly happy with what they've put in place yeah. and been able to get it. Uh, Phil's comments on Joe Schmidt were pretty good too. Mate, oh, I did want to congratulate you on the appointment of Joe Schmidt. Looking at his resume, it, it certainly seems like he's the guy to to lead the Wallabies uh, out of the doldrums. What was it that the board saw in in Joe Schmidt and and, and in him gaining his appointment? Yeah, well, I think you look at his track record. He spent time in France at uh, Clermont Montferrand, did particularly well there. Then he went to Leinster and won European Championships. Uh, then went and coached uh, Ireland, uh, you know, for six years and had three. Um, Six Nations Championships um, went from there back to uh, New Zealand to Auckland, where uh, you know they won 15 games straight with the Blues, um, and then he jumped into the All Black environment that was probably going downwards a, a little bit at the time of, uh, of him joining the All Blacks, and uh, they turned around and you know, lost the, the final by points. 
Um, so his track record's uh, you know, particularly good. And you know, if you think about uh, the coaching environment, and again, you've seen this enough, it's, uh, it's about the, you know, the, the, the team they put around them and, uh, and creating an environment and, and culture that you know, the best assistant coaches want to be a part of it. And uh, he's got a track record of doing that as well. So you know, it's really exciting to have a, a coach of his experience and, and that international experience because you know, coaching super rugby is very different to, uh, to coaching at, uh, at test level. And uh, he's had enormous experience and success at test level. Yeah, no, look, let, let, fingers crossed, crossed that this is the right move. But I know Les Kiss is a big rapper because they work together yeah, okay. in the Irish system. And he said he's he's a very thorough, he's a hard worker, and he expects everyone around him to work that that hard as well. This is a little bit, you know, and I don't want to keep harping on it, but going back to the Tom Brady um, evening with Tom Brady on Sunday night in Brizzy, you know, it, it was clear that Brady got there. You know, obviously there was talent, but it got there by just sheer determination, hard work. You know, fingers to the bone, blood, sweat, tears, all, all throw, roll, yeah. roll out all the cliches. And it looks like Joe Smith is, is Smith is that sort of coach. I wonder if there's any other coach, any other sort of coach than that now. Yeah, well, you can't be lazy. Can no, you? no, you, you can't, can't be blase. You get found you out. You can't, you know, just assume the players are going to do something. Mm. It's it's going to be fairly regimented and covered off, regimented and covered yeah. off. On I, I would imagine these days, otherwise you're going to get overtaken. Yep. And uh, the the player power might kick in, um, so but but then you do need a balance because Justin Langer may be too intense. Yeah. So the, his players said. So um, yeah, I, I wonder what the balance is these days. The other massive news going around here is just I mean this one blindsided me yesterday afternoon just going through the through my emails etc. Champ. Yeah, Brody Kostecki. I mean, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get uh, a mate of mine, Brett Murray, who who runs Speed Cafe. It's one of the most informative and, and respected websites in motor racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got to catch him early. I think we'll get him off just after 6.30 because he'll be headed for the golf course somewhere today. But, um, yeah, Cr- Crusher is right across all this sort of stuff. And there's obviously something happening with inside Erebus. Uh, so Brody Kostecki is the 26-year-old, nicknamed Bush. He's the reigning champion. So he, he felled Van Gisbergen last season, which was, you know, massive news in supercars. But it looks like he's going to step away from Erebus, even though he's committed, even though he's contracted for another year. So what happens? I mean, does he go on gardening leave? Does uh, you how know, do you do that? Well, I don't know. How do you break your contract. Well, they they can't come to terms about something. So hopefully, hopefully Crusher, hopefully Brent Murray can sort of set us straight on what's happening there because you know the retirement of Win Cup a couple of years ago. And then we lose Scott McLaughlin to the US, um, you know, to Indy. Then Shane Van Gisbergen has now decided to go NASCARs full-time. Kostecki, uh, we knew, was going to go over in between races this year, probably race five times in, in, in part of the NASCAR series, and he was being wooed by, by the Americans. But uh, yeah, this is massive, massive news. Jack LeBrock had come in um, as Van Gisbergen's replacement. Uh, uh, sorry, as Will Brown's replacement. At, yeah, see, uh, he switched. Yeah, Will he, Brown, didn't he? Yeah. So Will Brown's gone to Triple Eight. Um, yeah, it's it's a merry-go-round, as, as it often is, but these are the really high-profile drivers. These are the ones that have, have dominated in the last – they're mm. the headline grabbers. I mean, there's a stellar shift going on right at the moment. Oh. Yeah, it'll be good. We, we'll have Brett on just after 6.30. Who's the most recent champ in the, in the field now, on the grid? Well, 2015. They're, they're saying Winterbottom is the is yeah. the, the most recent reigning champ, uh, most recent champion. I mean, that's what coming under nine years that's ago. All the new boys this year. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure every sport has got to uh, evolve and name new champions, but Kostecki was the chosen one. I would have thought, uh, and it looks like it ain't going to happen. We'll find out more. It's six seventeen. Vanessa's in. Um, it's just been awful. I, I had no idea, and I know you were telling us yesterday, but mm. until I watched the news last night, the devastation yeah. throughout this southeast was just crazy. The pictures were insane, weren't they? Just yeah. trucks and buses and cars underwater, just, you know, homes just absolutely inundated. It was, yeah, a really scary morning for some. And look, the full damage hasn't yet been assessed because yesterday the rain was ongoing. And uh, the Premier said even as authorities were trying to get out and assess the damage, the crews were getting called away for more swift water rescues. Mm. So we saw more than 30 
the uh, water-related rescues uh, around the southeast. That included a lot of those Moreton Bay areas like Samford, Bray Park, Caboolture, but also Laidley in the Lockyer Valley was quite hard hit as well. Um, so, look, the good thing is the rain is easing, the floodwaters are starting to recede today, so it will be a big clean-up. But a lot of these people were affected by floods over the last year or two and had just done renovations and now just have to start all over again. So yeah, look, we'll get a better picture of the full damage today, but I think uh, most of the schools that were shut will be reopened today and the roads that were blocked will also be reopened. So just got to try and get back to normal. Mm. Yes. It's a lot of work going on. You see, even out west, mm. they're under yeah. northwest. Mm. Underwater. Now, also a little bit flooding related, but uh, a Brisbane icon, Toomble Shopping Centre, which Mm. has been shut since the Brisbane floods of a couple of years ago. And, you know, there was a lot of speculation over what was going to happen before they did announce, yes, it's going to be demolished. Well, we've got an update on it and that demolition will be starting next month. So within a couple of weeks, crews will start to get inside the shopping centre. And the first thing will just be to start connecting some of those services and, you know, there's a lot. This The whole demolition will take um, about a year before they start Jeez. to do some rebuilding on that site. Um, but also, interesting, before the, the actual demolition begins, um, police officers are going to be going in for a bit of a, a special training exercise oh, okay. next month. So they'll spend a week in there. They often do it with vacant or derelict buildings just as, you know, some of that um, there'll be special emergency response response teams, bomb squad, dog squad, uh, just to do some scenario training inside the empty shopping centre. So yeah. if you kind okay. of, locals are being told if they hear a bit of noise and kind <laughs> Gunfire of... Gunfire and things exactly. like that. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't panic. Don't panic. <laughs> that is a planned exercise, um, but the demolition will begin um, over the next few weeks as well. And look, finally, Elon Musk, I mean, what isn't he involved in? It's not just Teslas and rocket ships and um, social media platforms, but he has announced that a brain chip has been implanted in a human for the first time by his medical technology company, Neuralink. And he's really talking up this technology and saying that this could actually treat conditions like blindness, um, people who mm. have lost the use of their limbs, um, you know, neurological disorders. He's saying this is the start of treatment yeah, that, for yeah. all of those conditions. So, and stuff like this. Yep. So the first brain chip is in. He said the patient is recovering well, but not too many other details are known at this stage. Yeah, it's uh, it's massive news. I mean, he's uh, he's divisive. There's, there's no yeah. doubt about with some of the things he's done. But uh, yep. I boy, mean, oh boy, if he can pull things like this off, that exactly. could change humanity. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Vanessa. As I said, our thoughts uh, to everyone out there in the southeast that are struggling after these Big, big rains. It's coming up to 6.21. So I feel a little bit guilty now, Hills. I've tapped into an old mate to have a quick chat to us about the dramas that are going on in supercars. He's the founder of the Speed Cafe, which is the 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 go-to website when it comes to all things motor racing in Australia, Brett Murray. But he'd be on the golf course somewhere, mm. he, as he is most days of the week, and I hope I haven't interrupted. Are you, know, you he, okay, mate, with that guilt? Is it, well, no, not really. I'm more than happy to you, chat to you. You're okay for me to go all the cricketers, <laughs> 50 cricketers, <laughs> and not worry about my guilt. <laughs> Crusher, good morning to you. You should feel bloody guilty. I, I actually had to get up a bit early. My tea time's not till 7.48. <laughs> You'll be loose today. <laughs> You'll be ready to go. Um, can you, I mate? Could. Sorry, mate. Go on, keep going. You're right. I was going to say, I, I said, uh, Jack got me yesterday. I said, you want to get me on at uh, 8 o'clock? I said, mate, I've got a tea time at 7.48. I said, I'll put you on at 6.30. I said, mate, I don't do a warm-up. I'm happy at 7.15, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, make some sense out of all this. I mean, most of us were just blindsided by the fact that Kostecki could could walk, the, the, the reigning champion and, and the biggest name in the sport right now, I suppose. Well, he is, Paddy, and, uh, yeah, it comes as a bit of a shock to everyone. It's been sort of bubbling away, and uh, Andrew Van Leeuwen, the editor at speakcafe.com, broke the story yesterday, and um, it certainly upset a few people, as you can imagine. Um, they were uh, they were certainly in damage control at a championship level uh, and at a team level, and um, no one said anything since. But it's definitely the case, and uh, obviously, and... Uh, 
be interesting to see when someone actually says something about it and uh, and how they go about um, pulling it together. Uh, obviously, um, he's been uh, unhappy there for some time. He had a hell of a season last year. Uh, he's a hell of a racer and he's a hell of a young bloke. Um, he's only 26 years old. Um, you know, he's he's built a, a career around uh, getting in and getting it done. He went to the US, tried to forge his way into NASCAR as a, as a, as a very young bloke and, um, and learned a lot of the skills that he needed. And I think a lot of those actually transferred to the new Gen 3 car last year and uh, he was a major reason that uh, they got the championship done. You are to an outsider, like myself, watching the coverage last season. They held it together very well, um, and and but everyone knew something was bubbling on. Yeah, it was probably you know th- that team is uh, is very different heels in that you got Betty Clemenko, who's you know a, a character in her own right yeah. and sort of runs to the beat of her own drum. Um, everyone sort of knows her background and. You know, Barry Ryan is the team manager and, and sort of part owner there. I think with Betty, in regards to how it's structured, is uh, you know very volatile and you know. But he's again another character you need in the sport. He calls it as it is, and you know um, drops the f bomb when when he when required and quite often, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and goes about how he is. But sometimes you know that doesn't translate necessarily in regards to relationships with where you're at. Will Brown obviously left the team as well. Um, that was announced as going to triple eight racing uh, in Woodrow, one of the Red Bull Camaros this year as a replacement for Van Gisbergen, which is sort of the next element of the story, right? In that you got the champion from the previous years, Van Gisbergen going, announcing that he's going NASCAR mid year. So they really got to, you know, make sure they got a champion on the ground and then Kostecki, wins the championship by, you know, basically trundling around in the last round because he basically had it wrapped up over Van Gisbergen. So, you know, Van Gisbergen's gone. Kostecki will be the champion, will carry the number one on his car uh, and we'll all go off into the sunset. But as it is now, you've got Kostecki who could be sitting on the sidelines. Now, we're not necessarily um, what his contract says and how that sits, but, you know, as we know, contracts are contracts these days in regards to, you know, how they work and what can be negotiated. Um, so whether this means you'll be sitting on the sidelines or how that rolls out, I mean, we're, we're only three weeks away from the start of the championship. Yeah. So, um, you know, how does that work? You know, is there a team capable of running another car for him? Um, the answer to that is probably, there's probably two teams that could do that. Triple Eight's probably one of them out of Brisbane. The other one is um, Ticket Racing out of um, out of Melbourne, who ran you know four cars last year. But you got to get a license now. One of those licenses sits on the shelf at Supercars. They've got to give the permission for that to happen. Um, they've got to be able to tool up really quickly, and you know people are going to go going to go pretty hard, pretty fast. Um, is is that likely to happen? I'm guessing not. Um, but Brody has always had, you know, very strong links to the U.S. He's got a very strong relationship with Children's Racing in the U.S. Um, he ran there last year in the road course race at Indy. Did a solid job. Um, he's got a very good reputation there. Obviously, Van Gisbergen went there and, and won the road course race at Chicago. You know, he had, you know, yep. perfect storm sort of come together. Went and did it. Made a massive name for himself. And we'll be there full time this year, and everyone's really looking forward to seeing how he goes. And he'll do a great job. He's again, he's hell of a racer. But the two guys who are the the racers in the field, one was Van Gisbergen and one was Kostecki. I mean, those two would race, you know, Billy Carts downhill if that's all there was to race. Yeah. And then and then on the back of that, you've got, you know, um, Scott McLaughlin, who won three championships. He's already over there running IndyCar. So you haven't got a champion. And if you've got to go back to 2015, Mark Winterbottom, to actually see a champion, a champion in the field, you've got Wing Cup, who obviously is the GOAT. Seven championships who runs now is run team principal at Triple Eight um, and will run the Enduros. But apart from that, you haven't got a champion in the field, and that's that's a concern. Well, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's a huge blow because it's been robbed now of so much star power. You talk about Win Cup, you talk about McLaughlin's gone. You know, Jamie retired effectively. Uh, SVG gone to NASCARs, and now the reigning champ. So. Mate, I mean, do you think it can be sorted out or do you, you know, obviously they've been in, in high-level crisis meetings in the last 48 hours. What's your gut feel? Uh, that What is going to happen to Kostecki this year? I mean, he's, he's obviously contracted to Erebus. Does he sit on the sideline on gardening leave, which would be a travesty? Yeah, it would be a travesty, and I think that's a possibility. And again, mate, 
Um, I'm not sure of his contract situation. The NASCAR mm. thing throws an extra spanner in the works. But, you know, Brody's a very strong guy. Um, he, you know, and I think he's made his decision. He does yeah. not want to be with that team this year. And I think the other thing on a championship basis, if we go back in history, Paddy, and, you know, you're, I'm not as old as you, but, <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> let's go back to, you know, 2004 when, you know, like I was, uh, a part of the Stone Brothers racing team and Marcus Ambrose and Pertec Racing, you know, he won the 2003-2004 championships. Uh, at the start of 2005, it was broken that he was going to go into NASCAR racing at the end of 2005. Well, the championship did everything, you know, they deny it to this day, did everything in their power to try and stop him winning the championship because the last thing they wanted was a guy who won the championship going to NASCAR. Yeah, but their it. heads were so far stuck in the sand. Instead of, instead of you know, embracing it yeah, and I doing some really cool things, yeah. you know, they want they did nothing for him. And as it turned out, his teammate, Russell Engel, won the championship, which he so thoroughly deserved. Um, but they did everything in his power to, you know, to, um, to screw him over on the deal, mm. um, which they managed to do. And he, and he left, you know, by being... You know, third, I think he's finished third in the championship to Russell but just by a couple of points. But, um, you know, it's important to have that champion and be able to build, you know, build a season around you, yeah, especially someone like Brody who's got a bit of character. He's, you know, he's a knock-around fella. Yeah, he's really good. Um, and he's a real racer, you yeah, know. That's right. He's got a bit of mongrel on the racetrack. Hey, Christ, we've got to go. Uh, we've got to hit a break. But, mate, really appreciate your time. I'm mean, trying to sort this out. But it's massive news in, in supercars with the, the reigning champ possibly not driving this year. We'll, 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 we'll keep across Speed Cafe because you've always got it first and we really appreciate your time. Get into that extensive limbering up program that you go before oh, yeah. every time you hit a golf not ball. Not much run today. Good luck. Uh, no, there'll be no run. There'll be cuts on pars. I'll only be hitting them 280 today, <laughs> <laughs> I heard on a coverage ye- uh, yesterday, whatever I was watching, uh, this bloke was going for back-to-back birdies. He hit something near 400. 400 metres. Yeah, well, that's ah, not, happy yards. That's not crushed. No, I had a day off. That wasn't me. No. I had a day off. Okay. All right, mate. Great to chat. Thank you. For your, thanks for your time. All right, boys. We'll chat again. Okay. Yeah. The Courier Mile's number one man is on the line. Robert Crash Crowning joining us for the first time this year. Crash, you can decide this. Is heels right? Is it crown bowls or is it lawn bowls that Sir Francis Drake uh, was playing? It's lawn bowls because I remember I just started the Courier Mail at the time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, I just remember the news coming through. You know, one of our reporters about to see it. Yeah, yeah it was Bernie Pramberg. Laurie Kavanagh, even before him. Yeah. Uh, very All right, well, we're going to take your word well, for it. Okay, well, we have to look at it. Oh, 2-1, I lead for the week. No, you don't. <laughs> no way Mrs. Marsh has already been out. <laughs> Crash, a very good morning to you, mate. Yeah, sure. It's a good morning to you too, lads. What a, what a week it's been. Uh, I, a part of this, uh, I do believe, is probably still uh, mulling over what we've seen at the Gabba with that extraordinary victory by the West Indies. Honestly, Hills, you've seen it all in cricket. Just one in a thousand, wasn't it? Like, yeah. uh, was it was it the greatest upset in Test history? I, I can't find anything to beat it. You know, I saw Sri Lanka. Remember when they beat South Africa four years ago? That was big. But I, I just think all things considered, I, I can't find one to beat it. No, it's a good call. Um, I think the Indian one. Uh, what was that? Three or four years ago, in at the Gabba as well, was very very close to it. But it still had some. Uh, more experienced players than than the West Indies did that beat Australia. Well, see, um, that's, the, that's the thing, and, and and we were saying that in yeah, sure, when India beat Australia at the Gabba, it was an upset. But you're talking about guys like Rishabh Pant starring, who who was a seasoned Test player, like Rohit Sharma and yes, all these guys. Like, but their bowling attack was horrible, wasn't it? Like horribly inexperienced. The West Indies batting oh, yeah. was the same. Absolutely, and so never has a group of rookies achieved so much on foreign soil. I mean, you think of it, Shamar Joseph had never seen a pink ball until a week before the test, never mind bowl with one. Yeah. He'd never seen a hard cricket ball until two years before, So, and yet he out-bowled and out-thought the Australians. That's what got me, a guy who said, okay, this pink ball's going soft, I'll aim straight at the stumps at 149 kilometres an hour, and see if I can bowl them out. And guess what? Bit of news for you. He did. Mm. Yeah. 
It was fantastic. I've got to say that I was at that function on um, Sunday night, uh, lined up to get the photo taken with Tom Brady, and I reckon everyone in the room, and it was, you know, 1,500-plus, had their phones on watching the last few balls being delivered, and there was this big roar when uh, the West Indies won it. Uh, and I know, sitting with me, uh, Ian Healy couldn't give a, a toss about <laughs> romanticism, and uh, either could uh, either could Tim Payne, who was on SEN the other day. But for all us other observers, Crash, I was quite pleased with the result, to tell you the truth. Oh, a- absolutely, Paddy, because... And you know what? There was also a feeling for me that justice was done. I, I mean, when... Um, uh, Alex Carey was bowled by a ball that hit a bale and the bale didn't fall earlier in the game. And yes. probably West Indies would have been looking at a lead of probably 150, 160 in the first innings. They didn't get it. And we thought, oh, we know the narrative here. Australia squeaks home by two wickets. But they just outplayed Australia. They outfought Australia. They outthought Australia and outbowled Australia. So what, what I love about it is this, this win... Will not. We haven't played. We haven't had a West Indies tour for nine years. Australia has secretly turned its back on the West Indies. In the 1980s, it was the opposite. Hills just before you started, wasn't it? Yep. Kerry Packer said we want them here every year. Since they've fallen off the perch, we basically barely play them. And, yeah. and, and as Australia has a poor record of, of playing battling nations. So this will secure what they've got. At least it'll keep Test Creek alive. And they've got a poster boy in Shamar Joseph, which every every nation needs that guy who you want on the wall, that poster on the wall. Yeah, no, he's, exactly. he's going to be a beauty. Um, the, the expected dominance of Australia this whole summer just didn't emerge. Do, do you think they can be freshened up in time for New Zealand? Yeah, it, gee, that's a good question, Hills, because I couldn't quite get to the bottom of why Australia were... Um, they, they won for a five. They were threatened in every test. Yes. Yeah. I think they are a bit tired. They're an old team. They've got one player under 30, Cameron Green, who's 24. They played a lot this year. But there is one other thing about them here, and to see what you thought about this. This team is very good, but there's one thing it doesn't have, and that's an aura, an aura of intimidation. They're a very friendly team. I, I noticed Pakistan and the West Indies, they had no, they were at no stage trembling in their boots against this Australian team. Now, I think when you were going around with McGrath and Warren and, and, and blokes like that, there was a real fear factor. We saw so many English teams come to Australia, and they were beaten before they started. These two teams weren't. Pakistan got beaten, but they did not fear Australia in that sort of knee-trembling sort of way. And, and yeah, it's, it's, they're an interesting case study because they're a good team. They've won a lot of silverware and retained a lot of silverware, but they've also lost eight of their last 16 tests. You think of that. That's, remember okay. when at the turn of the century, we, we won 16 tests in a row. This team has won eight of its last 16. So yeah. that's... That's okay. Nothing special. No, yeah, that, that's, no a... that, that's right. And uh, whether that can be uh, a boot camp or something, that the first test in New Zealand is the 29th of February in Wellington and then Christchurch the 8th of March. So, you know, a few a bit to do there. And just before that, they've got uh, three T20s. So, yeah, I wonder if the teams will change or they'll just uh, get them training harder again. Well, he said he's not going to tinker with the test batting line. But, hey, look, tonight, I, I did want to ask you about tonight, and AB's going down for Belinda Clark medal presented as well. Um, who, in your mind, are, are the faves to, uh, to take the silverware this evening? Yeah, well, it's funny. Uh, ben Horn uh, did our uh, three-to-one of our voting, went through every game yesterday, and he said, mate, I've got Mitchell Marsh winning it easily yeah, okay. across the formats. And, and it just sort of... It sort of struck me because uh, I didn't realise how well Marsh had polled across the formats. You know, there's guys like Pat Cummins who had his moments and Travis Head will burst through and get a couple of three votes here and there. Usman Khawaj will probably go close to test cricketer of the year and so he should be. Um, But um, Marsh is, in our books, the favourite. They can surprise you, the border medal that uh, he will be the big improver on the contract list when they name that in April. He'll get a substantial pay rise. But I say that, but I also say this. Hills, I wonder where he is in his game, you know, that, that Australia's middle order, Labu Shane and, 
and, and Marsh, you know. Like, Marnus Labuschagne's been an interesting study, hasn't he? Because two years ago, we were writing stories, he was the luckiest cricketer in the world. Yes. All these catches dropped off their bowling. But guess what? Now they're being taken, aren't they? Yeah, they're being taken, and he's nicking balls that he, he used to play and miss at. Um, there was a story going around that, you know, he hadn't nicked off, he hadn't been caught behind the wicket for, you know, very much at all, and now that's all he's getting out to. Yeah, he, he's got to get going, that's for sure. I, I think Mitch Marsh's career has just come off a touch, probably through tiredness, um, and it's been, a, it's been a long, long 12 months. So, and, and you're right, and Ben Horn was right to go, go and have a look at 3 2 1. Every match, it's a, it's different to say, power oh, Pat Cummins. He he had a great summer. He was he's averaged twenty and he's got thirty wickets. Um, he'll win it, but you have to go and look at whether anyone got a double hundred in one of the matches where he got five, four wickets and they stole the three points. And because it goes on three two one from everyone in your team plus plus media representatives yeah. uh, every game, so yeah. it's an interesting one. It is. I'm not quite sure where our top order is at the moment because if I was India next season, and I know they're, they're getting old too as a team, but particularly England the season after, I just think it will be such ferocious conduct, uh, combat that some players will just grow old overnight. We've held it together beautifully, this Australian team. Well, as I said, one player under 30. But you would be tr- – the, the, the battle against India next season, that's the one we're all waiting for. It, it, to me, it's a battle of who can resist Father Time the longest. Will Rohit Sharma get tapped on the shoulder? Will Usman play one season too long? And, and he could surprise us all by being one of the good ones at 38. And yet you might have a 33-year-old Mitchell Marsh suddenly finding that he's playing too long. So, do you know, that, that subtle... It, it, it's, these next two season seals are going to be just fabulous, like just really interesting stuff. And I know George Bailey has had a very calm, considered, player-friendly hand towards selecting players. But he might th- that'll be the testing of him when players are very close to retirement. Yeah, yep, I agree. Hey, uh, and Belinda Clark, uh, Beth Mooney's always right in the conversation. Yeah, she is. Uh, I don't mind Elise. Pe- oh, maybe Elise Perry and Ash Gardner. Ash Gardner's just always in there doing something with bat and ball. So... That that'll be an interesting one too, but uh, it, it's it's going to be a really good night. And and uh, the Allen Board has had a bit of a resurgence over the last few years, which you know it was tested through COVID, but it's back again now. And and I think there's such affection for Alan Border, who spoke so openly and so yeah, honestly to Mark Howard about his Parkinson's disease heels, and um, he's just. You know, I, I when we did that documentary with Alan at the start of last season, it struck me how loved he is. You know, most cricket is polarised in some respects, but my lord, every time you put a story in Alan Border up on the internet, you you just get all these quote uh, reader responses. I oh, love AB, love AB. You know, and and everyone from the boys that created Bluey, the the cartoon to you know, actors, uh, Bernard Fanning, you know, yeah. everyone loves him. Oh, the football players, you know, Alfie, Kevy, they're, they're all over him. And he just sits down and he sits, he thinks he's sitting down and there'll be five cricketers around him within within a minute, yeah. all just talking like like looking for little morsels of food there. Right. Uh, yeah, he, he's yeah. extremely popular. Oh, I think um, yeah. Beth Mooney, uh, Gardner, Ash Gardner's got 56 wickets, they're saying. Through the year, but mm. some days did she get two wickets, yeah. and Mooney made a hundred and stole all the votes. It's a, it's a, it's all about how many votes they steal off each other, and they've had multi series and T twenties and one dayers and Ashes, so very very difficult to sort of just really understand who's leading that women's race. Hey, Crash, we've got to go. Yeah, we, it is. Yeah, we appreciate your Thanks time. Hey, just very quickly before we go, uh, Dimmy, one of our great listeners. The Sir Francis Drake lawn bowls story was in the movie Crackerjack where Mick Malloy bowled the flipper to win the bowls championship. So he's using <laughs> lawn bowls. Yeah. Crash reckons he was he well, saw a story from Laurie Kavner about it. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going with the lawn bowls. I'm claiming a 2-1 well, lead. is lawn. It's just not flat. Yeah, okay. We've got to get to a Like the world. Lawn. Sir Francis found out the world was not flat. <laughs> 
Crash, as usual, brilliant the chat. Mate. See you, Crash. Thanks, guys. See you soon. <laughs> now on Breakfast with Pat and Heels, Heels gets his gloves off. It's time to play Is My Gloves Off Today? Because when you're in the Australian cricket setup, your top team in cricket is so established over the years that you don't get many chances to prove that you're made for the top level as a state player. So definitely not as good as this short form section of the West Indies series. This is a wonderful opportunity for a lot of young players, and they're not that young. This has been this has been um, uh, t- touted as a look to the future. So my message to Xavier Bartlett. Will Sutherland, Lance Morris, Jake Fraser-McGurk, Aaron Hardy, Matt Short is to lead us fast into the future. So not selecting Stoinis, Ellis, Richardson, Warner, Wade is stressful anymore in the future. So resting our legendary quicks can then be done more regularly as they get ready for big, big tours uh, with ease as well. So bowlers, your early over wickets need to be taken. Then you have to make inroads through the middle order and that newly confident West Indies test test order, uh, and then keep it tight in moments where it's not just happening for you uh, with great fielding and great economy, uh, so that you no, you're no longer young. It's time to show us just how hungry you are to get your job done well, because um, you know twenty twenty three to twenty eight is what these the the ages of these youngsters. Lance Morris needs form to go with great pace, and he and he needs to uh, get his control going. Xavier Bartlett, Aaron Hardy, yeah, Will Sutherland, own your spells. Make sure you're responsible for what you're about to deliver. Matt Short, Jake Fraser, McGurk, Cam Green, thrill us with your stroke play. And most importantly, your performance. Don't just play a couple of shots and get yourself out. When you get the chance, get it done. Rarely do you get a chance to play an international series and make the most of it. Um, As we know, Spencer Johnson's in the wings still as well. So, listeners, how will we go with this team against the West Indies? Has anyone else other than Spencer Johnson missed out on this wonderful chance? And should Steve Smith be the captain? You know, Travis Head is the vice captain. The next one-day World Cup seems to be a fair way away, so I wonder if we've missed an opportunity to start the blooding a captain as well. But it should be exciting and hope our young players go well. With the Melbourne Rebels going into voluntary administration, we thought we'd go to the man who knows all about this and has joined us on the show before, Tom Deeson, Sydney Morning Herald's uh, highly respected rugby writer. Tom, thanks for giving us your time today. This is a blow, isn't it? And I know the ARU have stepped in and saying they'll be there, the Melbourne Rebels, for 2024 season, but it, it, it ain't a good look, put it that way. No, it's not a great look. Um, the Rebels in in trouble down there. Um, the future of that franchise is very much up in the air, as you said. Rugby Australia has been forced to come in and bail them out, something that they don't really want to do. Um, I guess the question is how how does a franchise like that rack up $9 million of debt unnoticed um, in a position where moving forward, are they going to be in Super Rugby heading forward? There'll be some tough calls and conversations and talk of the Victorian government maybe having to bail them out, but also that has ramifications for you know a British and Irish Lions series next year. And Melbourne want to host the World Cup final in 2027. So does that happen if the Rebels aren't there? Mm. Um, Tom, what have been the biggest stress points for them? Oh, I mean, getting bumps on seats, to be honest. Like, yep. crowds haven't been particularly great down in Melbourne. It's the most saturated sporting market in the world down there, given how many footy teams are down there and all the rest. So that has been a, a concern. Players as well um, wanting to go down there has been tricky to, to entice them down there outside of the major heartlands in New South Wales and Queensland. I think the franchise has done everything they can to, to keep it afloat, but um, numbers like that are not are not pretty. And, yeah, what does that say about the health of the code in general? Uh, there are other franchises that have been doing it tough as well. And um, Rugby Australia has wanted to, to create a bit of centralisation and get everyone in, in the same tent and umbrella. Um, but, yeah, there'll be some really hard conversations had. And my sneaking suspicion is that Rugby Australia, whilst committed this year, um, I'm not sure whether five teams is there um, is what they want long-term. Yeah. yeah. Of course, extra Queensland interest this year, in particular with Taniela Tupo obviously making the switch. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Would he be having trepidations now? Well, yeah. I mean, the the players have only been guaranteed their salaries for this season. If you're, you know, you've just gone to a new workplace and you've been told you're only going to get paid till June 30 at your franchise. That's a little bit of alarm bells there for sure. We're in a market where... 
these players who are staying in Australia are generally taking pay cuts to be in Australia. They're getting great offers in Japan, France to go and ply their trade and they're staying here to effectively want to play for the Wallabies. So what does that do for those players who are on the, the cusp of that? I'm not sure what that means legally from standpoints of guys who sign long-term deals. But yeah, for someone like Taniel, I mean, he's okay. He's got a Wallabies top up. But for the guy who's not on a massive deal down at the Rebels who might not squeeze into another Australian franchise, if it does go to four teams, they might be out the door and looking at a player drain in a whole different conversation. Mm. Rob Leota speaks so highly of the Victorian feeder type areas into the Rebels. He's been in it since he was 14. So is there anything of significance there? Yeah, there is for sure. I mean, it's not on the sort of scale of New South Wales and Queensland in terms of the school system, but yeah, Rob is a proud product of that Victorian system. And yeah, he's he's deeply passionate about trying to keep the Rebels afloat. Uh, But you do wonder whether, yeah, I mean, the Rebels have struggled for eyeballs and an interest down there for a long time. Um, they had some early success when they came in the comp in 2011, but um, it is a hard sell down there. And, and given where rugby is at the moment in this country and on off the back of you know the Wallabies and what they dished up at the World Cup, um, Super Rugby franchises all over are struggling for memberships and, and trying to draw up interest in a code that was once very, very healthy. Yeah. Tom, big picture, you and your masthead drove the whole Eddie Jones dramas and Japan, it's been done now, so they've decided with, with Joe Smith. A good move, do you think? I mean, it's it's getting pretty pretty big headlines up here because Les Kiss obviously worked with him within the Irish system and he said uh, Joe Smith is a good man. Yeah, everyone you speak to says that about Joe Smith. I think... Um some of his training sessions in Ireland were particularly intense and he comes across as quite a friendly bloke, but I reckon um, there's a side that you don't want to cross as well um, if you're not dotting the I's and crossing the T's. So I think it's what Rugby Australia needs right now. I think they were very um, cognizant of the fact that maybe an Australian coach at that standard wasn't totally ready yet. I get the suspicion that Joe Schmidt will happily come in, rebuild, and then maybe stand aside after that line series in 2025 where maybe someone like a Stephen Larkham, a Dan McKellar, maybe Michael Checky gets swimming back in. I'm not sure. But I think that it's a short-term solution. Um, and the Wallabies just need a bit of stability and getting back in the winner's circle. Well, you know, all, all this money that's going out in rugby, this um, <clears throat> Rebels uh, thing is just another facet of Rugby Australia waiting to rely on the British and Irish Lions money. Do you think there'll be any profit left at the end of that? Oh, look, there should be for the line series, but, I mean, the Rebels' finances are pretty much their own domain, I guess. The question okay. for Rugby Australia is how did, how did they not sort of have oversight of this or know that it was spiralling out of control a bit um, to the point where they've gone into voluntary administration? So, look, Rugby Australia, as you say, Hills, are absolutely banking on that line series and then the World Cup to try and bring some profits into the game. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of rugby to be played before then. And, um, look, that will be huge, great events for sure for the game, but will it? completely revolutionised the sport in this country, you know, time will tell. Yeah. Hey, quickly, we've got uh, Cuzzy, who's a, a great listener and a very, very keen uh, rugby fan. Aussie clubs should be rating excess talent in New Zealand, untapped market. We know we've got a couple of former All Blacks props uh, vying for positions down at the Reds. And Cuzzy also added, when is Tom having a beer with Eddie Jones next? <laughs> I haven't spoken to Eddie uh, since our <laughs> Tokyo press conference, but... Uh, We'll happily have a beer with him in the, the beer garden of the Coogee Bay Hotel, which is his uh, favourite stomping ground. But I'm not sure Eddie would be welcomed in this part of the world at the moment. No. <laughs> have you sensed any or enough remorse from Eddie for what he's done to Australia? Yeah, definitely. People who you speak to close to him say he's pretty beaten up by the whole situation. He did an interview in The Guardian where he spoke about the hurt and the pain of what happened, and he'll live with that for sure um, forever. And... Interestingly, there's a new stand documentary coming out, um, basically documenting that whole Wallabies car crash. And apparently there's some quite um, revealing interviews with Eddie as they follow that train wreck throughout the World Cup. Yeah. So, yeah, he would be hurting for sure. But I think, he's, he, as he said, his, uh, his biggest regret was um, maybe being a bit too full on with the media. And what did he say? If they, you know, they'll come after you eventually or the you know, truth will come out eventually, whatever he said. So, yeah. Um, an interesting saga. Mm, hey, always definitely. great to chat. Just very quickly, give us reason to believe up here in Kiss and the Reds. Oh, I spoke to a few players, Sully Bunavalu and Harry Wilson last week. They're mighty pumped. I think the bulk of the group's been there 
oh, like you can't underestimate the World Cup hurt there as well for some of those boys. Like yeah. they've all come back absolutely ripping in um, for more reports. Queensland humidity apparently is making them extra fit at the moment. <laughs> apparently that's been an awful thing to deal with up there. So I would imagine their fitness levels are really good and. Yeah, Les a very different coach and guy to Brad Thorne. Um, yeah, I'll definitely pencil him in for top six for sure. Good stuff. Tom, as usual, thank you, mate. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Tom. All good. Thanks, guys. Let's talk a little bit of rugby league. Great to have him uh, up and running again because it was just a tragedy just before the season started when he did his ACL. I would imagine last year would have been about the longest year of his footballing life. Both of them, a very good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. How tough was it, mate? Uh, yeah, as you said, it probably was one of the longer, longer years of my life. Just um, sitting on the sideline and watching the whole year was uh, was tough. But, yeah, it's, um, it's good to be back training with the boys and um, looking forward to the season ahead. They certainly missed you too, mate. Does it feel great this year to have so much work into your whole body, not just, not just your injury? Yeah, that's right. I think um, probably a blessing in disguise, I guess, doing it when I did, I get to um, do the full pre-season with the boys and um, come in on the same level as everyone else. I'm not trying to play catch-up midway through the year. Yep. Yeah, and, and but there's, as usual down there, there's plenty of competition. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the halves, and I'll ask you about that a little later on, but I'm, I'm looking at the, your Ford pack as well. Boy, oh, boy, it looks really, really good on paper with the, the likes of Sam and Tino and, and Dave. Uh, you, obviously, Mo, it, it's, it's, it's a potent pack, mate. Yeah, we're we're really fortunate at the moment that we've got a lot of depth in the in the forwards, and um, I think that even with our bench options like um, Jimmy and then uh, Keenan coming as well, I don't think we we don't lose anything when our starters go off. So um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing alongside those boys. It must be a very competitive gym, I reckon. Uh, Tino looked in unbelievable shape at the heat game of cricket a week or so ago and he just whipped his shirt off, put the heat shirt on, or everyone went, oh, hang on, can you take that off again? Uh, like, And all of you blokes would be the same strutting around the gym, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, the gym gets gets pretty competitive. Someone waits for you to go first, so then they can chuck a little 2.5 on the end of the list more than you, but... Um, <laughs> Tino seems to just look at a weight and it just lifts itself. So, um, yeah, he's, he's looking unreal. Oh, there's a lot lot to be done. Eh? Like for you, the confidence level in, in your injury, like the psychology of that, then the technical aspects of defence, attack, tackling, all that sort of stuff, then the physical. Do you, do you have a problem with uh, being an endurance athlete as well as keeping your size? Yeah, some, it is something that's um, a little bit hard to juggle at times. If you're doing too much running, you you start yeah. to lose your size, and um, yeah, so it's something that um, we're very fortunate that we have dietitians and all the staff in the world that kind of help us um, keep track of that and make sure we're keeping our weight on as well as um, trying to be as fit as we possibly can. But yeah, it is a bit of a juggle sometimes. Sometimes you have a big day at training, you come in the next day and you're two kilos lighter. Yeah, okay, can, and but that fitness level, can it change quickly as well? Like you get off the deck, you know, 15 minutes into a game, you go, oh, geez, I'm not feeling too good today. Does it surprise you sometimes? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, sometimes I think it's just the flow of the game sometimes. Sometimes they're coming at you a bit more and you, you get a bit cooked early. But um, I think yeah, we do that much work in pre-season that we kind of just um, find a way to keep going and then, yeah, but like you said, it's yeah. Sometimes you're just in a game and you you blow out pretty early, which is um, which is tough. Exactly right. Hey, uh, you have lost one big man, and Alex Leopold Jr., who's a, a man mountain as a kid, has decided to go down the boxing route, mate. You know, number one, what can you say? Could, do you think he could have made it in the NRL, and 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 does he leave with your best wishes? Well, um, I didn't have that much to do with Alex. He did a bit of um, train and trial with us at the start of this year, and. He looked really good. He's still a he's still only a teenager, so yeah. um, for his size, he was he was bloody hard to handle. But he was um, coming off a bit of a shoulder injury as well, so he couldn't do a whole lot of of the footy stuff when he was with us. But um, yeah, I mean, he obviously can box really well as well. So um, well. yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm bloody I'm excited to excited to watch see how he goes. And um, yeah, of course, he's got all of our best wishes at the club and. Um, I'm really excited to see how his career pans out. 
Now, tell me these little halves aren't getting around training like bantam roosters at this time of the year. You know, you've got the, yeah. the likes of Jaden, you, you've got the old head in Kieran Foran, Tanner Boyd, AJ Brimson, that all scrapping for spots, aren't they, at fullback and around the halves? Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, um, we've got a lot of healthy comp- – and you throw um, little Tommy Weaver into the mix there too. Yes. He's been training really well. and um, Yeah, we've got a lot of competition for spots around, yeah, fullback and the halves and – um, I think it's only a good thing. It's only um, like pushing the boys to play play better and train better. You look at Foz, who's been there for however many years, and he's still got to train really well because there's someone coming for his spot. So, um, yeah, we've got a lot of competitions in majority of our positions at the moment. So um, it's only going to make us play better. Yeah, and I guess Des's focus is totally on performance, not so much just competition, get the job done. So uh, when when do you guys start? playing a game um we've got our first trial game on the 18th of february against the dolphins mm-hmm. so that's just just over two weeks away and yeah as you said des is des is a proven winner and his his focus is on winning games and getting results so um yeah we've been working really hard on on our defense in the preseason under des and making sure that um we're limiting points because um, we've proven over the past few years that we can score them. That's never been our issue. It's been stopping them. So we've been doing a lot of work on our defence and um, hopefully we see that in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I can probably answer this question for you, but, but give, look, give me your impressions of Des as your new coach. Um, he's he's a bit different to what I thought he would be, like uh, from seeing him through the media and stuff. He's, he's very intense and loves to give a spray, but um, he also has got a really, uh, really good sense of humour, and he's um, really approachable to talk to, and always has a laugh with the boys. But um, when the whip needs to be cracked, it certainly gets cracked. Yeah, well yeah. said. Hey, great to chat. And I mean, as I said, it was stating the obvious, but yeah, just the season from hell from you with the ACL before the before last season kicked off, and we know you, you know, you're on the cusp of Origin. You, you'll have a lot of aspirations in your footy. We just want to see you back out there and playing all rounds because you're a hell of a footballer. Bo, thanks for chatting to us, mate. Good luck, Bo. No worries, guys. Thank you. Well, I've been trying all week to get hold of this young lady. She's been a media <laughs> darling since her performances over the weekend in Canberra, but we've tracked her down. She's not easy. She's very, very quick heel. Must be tired for us to catch her. <laughs> Tori Lewis, our newest Australian record holder over 100 metres. Congratulations and welcome to the show. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on. Well, you know, Heels, my love of of track and field, and this is just a breath of fresh air. It's so exciting to have such a brilliant new talent. And and, and as I said, you've been all over the media. You're you're lapping it up and you're loving it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I won't lie. It's it's good. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Tori, um, I read a couple of different versions. You know when you came over to Australia at six years of age, did you live at Newcastle? Yeah, yeah I yeah. lived in Newcastle for nine years. Yeah, and then some. I've read somewhere where you went, came straight to Queensland, but you're Queensland at fifteen. No, you came, you came up here. Did that work for you yeah, and your I family? Six, yeah. So, Mum got a job up in Brisbane, so we moved up in 2020. Okay, so it's an eclectic mix. You're born in England to a dad with Jamaican and Indian heritage, and your mum has a Scottish descent. Yeah, I'm I'm a real mixed bag when it comes to that, but yeah. And you've won you've won the national 100 and 200 metre titles as an 18 year old. Um, you, you've been in this for a fair while now, are you? And is it feeling good? Yeah, it's feeling great. I'm kind of like achieving all the things that I want to achieve, so it really is going well. Now you knew you'd done something special on Saturday in Canberra, but you didn't think you'd gone 11-1, did you? No, not at all. Not at all. What did you think? What What were you thinking? So I ran a PB in the heats. I ran eleven twenty one, and the under twenty Australian record by the great Raylene Boyle was eleven twenty. So my goal for the final was to try and get that record, um, and that that's what I was hoping for. And then I, I crossed the line. I heard the crowd gasp. So I was I was pretty confident that I had hopefully gotten that one, but no. When the announcer said eleven ten and that it was the open score, but I, like I had not expected that at all. 
So, yeah. I mean, do you, I mean, having been around so much, do you, do you have an appreciation of the history? I mean, you talk about Raylene and, and we know what a legend her, she was. We know Kathy Freeman, we know Sally Pearson have all been 100-metre sprinters in their time. Mal Breen, of course, Melissa Gainford-Taylor. There's a, there's a rich heritage here and all of a sudden you've topped the whole lot of them. I know. I was I was looking at the the all time list and seeing the names like you said, Kathy Freeman, Melinda Gaines for Taylor, Sally Pearson. Like they're all there, and you know my name is at the top, and it's just a surreal a surreal feeling because you know growing up in athletics, we we idolize these women and they're amazing women and, and what they've done for the country and. Yeah, to see my name amongst them is really amazing. Yeah. Well, well it's unreal, but it's time to keep going. Um, what, is, what is your favourite? Is it 100 or 200 or neither or both? Oh, I, it definitely switches. Right now, it's definitely the 100. <laughs> okay. But, but maybe if I get a good time in the 200, it might switch back. Now, the, the reality is, though, even though you've set this amazing time, you've got to go a little quicker to seal the deal for Paris, haven't you? Yeah, I've got to run three hundredths of a second faster to automatically qualify for the Olympics. Can you do that? I hope so. And <laughs> I'll be running soon in about two weeks at Moe Plant in Melbourne. I'll run a hundred there, so I have another opportunity. Hopefully, I can get it done. What do you put your mind into trying to find three hundredths of a second? I mean, it's almost, it's all, it's so hard to think of. Like, it's yeah. like a snap of your fingers almost how quick it is. So I just think I need to do almost exactly what I've just done. Um, and, yeah, just maybe dip a little harder. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Who's your idol? My idol, uh, I don't know, actually. Maybe maybe one of the Jamaicans, like Shelly Ann Fraser-Price. Like, she's She's about 35 years old, I think. She has a kid and she still she could still win the Olympics this year. Like she's she's just amazing. Mm. I, I can't I never believe how you guys do it. How you stay fit yeah. and hit your big meets in great shape. But because you, you've already had some injuries, hey, a foot a few years ago, hamstring more recently. Just it must be constant management and retaining your power and strength. Yeah, it's it's like you're you're always aware of injuries could happen, but then you've just kind of got to give it all on the track and just you know just put your body, make it go as fast as it can. And you know, if an injury, that's why you train so much to try and prevent it. And if it happens, it happens. But okay. you know, you've you've got to give it a hundred percent on the track, no matter what. Um, so. What are, what are the things that go into you preventing injury? I you you, you practice your running, but yoga. Give us a feel for a, a daily output to to maintain this body of yours. Yeah, so probably one of the best preventative things is is gym. Really, like getting really strong in the gym. Yes. Um, and doing volume work on the track so you can actually run as much as you want to run. So, yeah, I think just a combination of gym and track are the best ways to prevent it. Um, and, yeah, just generally keeping keeping yourself healthy, like getting good sleep, eating nutritional food, um, just stuff like that really is the best way. Mm, and being so muscular, do you get – Are you? is your flexibility good too? Yeah, well, I started off in in gymnastics yeah, before I right. did running, so I feel like um, ev- like everyone I see at training, they're like, "Oh my god, you're so flexible!" But yeah. you know, in gymnastics, I was always like stiff and you know not <laughs> flexible enough. Yeah. Oh, have you got a have you got a celebration that you might pull out at the end of Paris or something? You know, like a back <laughs> backflip round off. <laughs> Maybe if I one day if I win the Olympics, I'll do a backflip. Right around, around off backflip. Right. Oh, cool. Hey, well, one of the interviews I saw with you, you mentioned that uh, you, you stay in contact with Dawny Fraser. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So through the Sports Hall of Fame, um, she's um, she's my mentor through that, which is really amazing. Um, and she's so down to earth, and she gives the best advice ever. And so, yeah, I'm really grateful that I that I'm able to keep contact with her through that. What, what uh, you know, can we go a little deeper there? That advice she gives, I bet it's fairly straightforward and honest. Yeah, absolutely. She's, she just, 
she tells it how it is and you know what what you've got to hear and I I love that that's the best type of advice you can give and she's been through it all she's done everything that I want to do so yeah she's really she's perfect for for being a mentor oh me. definitely tell you what you go somewhere down the uh, the road of emulating Dawny you're going to be a superstar hey just quickly it looks like our our sprinting ranks are good Riley Day well what's what's happening with her. Yeah, I still see her at the track and at the gym all the time. So I'm sure she'll be trying to, to, to come out and run well for Paris. Um, I don't personally train with her, so I'm, I'm not sure. But, you know, I do see her around the track. And we've got one of the young guys too, Gout Gout. Yeah. Yeah, he's all from Queensland. Queensland's a sprinting state. Yes. Um, but, yeah, no, he's young. He'll be running at that Mori plant at Melbourne as well. See how he goes against under some pressure, which will be always good to see. But yeah, high hope for for Queensland and especially for the coming up for the twenty thirty two Olympics. You know, me and Gout Gout are around that age where we'll be at our full peak for those Olympics. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. You sprinters, providing you stay focused, you can stay around for a long time. Hey, it, it's a joy to talk to you. Congratulations. I know you've been congratulated a, a stack of times. And uh, uh, Ian Healy has one more. What, oh, what else? Have, have you, do you have to put your study on hold? Are you still doing it in such a busy time? Well, so last year I I had a gap year from university um, and I just wanted to kind of see how it would be doing athletics by itself. But I kind of got bored, like, for those moments in between. Okay. So I'm going to start part-time this year. Oh, well, so very good. And still in software engineering? Yeah, that's oh, what I'll be studying. It's unbelievable. Well, like, I might have to get your phone number. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the world's worst at IT. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. Great area to be in. Yeah. And well done. Is that fairly common in yeah. your with your peers, to, you know, making sure they're looking after their future as well? Yeah, I mean, the people you hang out with are, are like, that's what they say, right? That's who you you are as well so surround yourself with those people and yeah yeah great good stuff hey wonderful to speak to you as i said uh, just so much congratulations about what you achieved at the weekend and uh, you've got a long long future in front and it's uh, i'm i'm tipping that we might talk to you again at some stage oh after you do your point three yeah, point oh three of a second <laughs> good luck tori yeah thank you so much and thank you for having me on